0: XGrowth has helped B2B tech companies design campaigns that open doors in their strategic target accounts, roll out targeted ABM programs, scale ABM programs, and select the right tool and tech stack for a successful ABM initiative. These are all things XGrowth has helped their clients with. If you're interested to learn how XGrowth can help your firm's ABM program, check out XGrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au. and chat with the APAC AVM agency.
1: Hey marketing legends and welcome back to another episode of Growth Colony. It's Liza from X Growth here and just wanted to let you know that the following episode is rebroadcast. Don't worry, we'll be back shortly with more awesome guests. On today's episode, we welcome Stephanie Desham, Director of Marketing, APJ at Boomi, a category-leading, high-growth global SaaS company with the largest customer base in their space. With our host, Shaheen Hoda, Stephanie is going to share with us some insights and best practices around account-based marketing.
0: Super excited to chat to you, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me
0: absolute pleasure absolute pleasure so we're talking about programmatic abm and this is probably one of the areas of abm that is that is least developed in the in the apj space i'd love to hear from your side what are some of the most important ingredients when it comes to rolling out a a, a one to many or programmatic abm program here
2: okay First of all, maybe it's just I'm surprised to say it's the least developed um, because when you say ABM, usually in APAC you will think one to many, and then if you speak to uh, a European marketer, it will think one to one, which is more like a key account approach and very personalised. And ABM one to many will be really, really reaching to a large quantity and trying to reach out to new business. So when you you go into a new business, um, ABM uh, one to many is the right approach. So. In both cases, anyway, the the approach to the the idea is to identify a list of accounts that will become your selected company and that you go after. And you will concentrate your efforts and kind of cut through the entire white space of the old business available in APAC. And so these accounts become your universe you want to reach out to, you want to open those, engage, you want to convince them, you want to grow your footprint into. And we focusing those resources on that smaller group of accounts, even though we're talking about one too, one too many, You increases your, your likelihood of surrounding those accounts and, and being seen and being heard by those accounts. So that's, I would say that the first ingredient is that focus like utilize, focus, even though it's one too many, you still cut through that massive amount of, of that whole entire white space. And then I would also say then, secondly, that the account-based marketing could actually be called account-based targeting. And the reason why I say that is that it shouldn't be just marketing's job. It should be the entire dimension group that should be Focus and, and gather around um, account-based uh, targeting. Because you you increase the likelihood of having more touch points, more account engagement, several speaking to several persona if you if you're if you BDR, if your marketing are all reaching and working on the same set of accounts. So that second ingredient will be a coordinated approach. Now that sounds that still actually could be very valid for. ABM uh, also one-to-one. So where the difference is for ABM one-to-many is that you try to have that programmatic approach but still having a level of personalization because the whole point is of uh, limiting your focus on a certain number of accounts, even though you talk about 2,000 or 3,000 accounts, is that you can have an understand now who they are. You have insights of which are those accounts, what those accounts, which industry they are in, what they potentially going to be interested in. So you can personalize your approach. Um, so for to make it... Programmatic. You could, for instance, regroup them. So you will regroup the account, for instance, by industry. You could also simply use that list of accounts as a segment and plug that list under established go-to-market approach that you have, and if you look at the contact level, you could regroup those contacts by type of persona or splitting business decision makers and end users. So the third element will be that personalization at scale, which is the key difference with the ABM one-to-one.
0: I mean, I love that. I love that you you talked about some very realistic numbers, and I mean, what I what I mentioned that it's probably the least least mature. Type of ABM, uh, you know, and, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this. Uh, and and I completely agree with you that when you turn to marketers in 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 Europe, they talk about one to one, and when you talk to the the marketers in North America, they, they majority talk about one to many. My experience been that sometimes the targeting capability of the advertising platforms are not as mature in the, um, in the APJ space and therefore, you know, some of those strategies that are coming from the US don't necessarily, whether it's maybe IP targeting or whatever it is, it's really hard to do that in Indonesia or it's very challenging to do that in Malaysia sometimes. That's what I was referring to. Is that something you see as well or, or you, don't, you don't see that data challenge when you're looking, looking at the market?
2: I absolutely do see that data challenge. No, so and well, data is the goal, but it's also the the pain, right? It's just trying to find that data. That's often the first, that's the first issue we have. So, if you think of like, let's start with so, how do you get to that data? Do you what at the end of the day, you what you want is is a list of accounts, right? So you you start with you have your Total addressable market that is defined by analyst and then you have a sense of the business potential. So we're talking here about numbers of revenue. So then you add a layer of which geography I'm working on, which kind of you add a kind of you limited to the product where, and then you can add kind of your market share you end up by your what they call the sum the service obtainable market but you still had you still have an estimated revenue you still do not have that list of account that you can act upon so then if you with that as a S- som in mind the, the first tangible data is to list a look at the list and you go to third-party vendor and you give them some filmographic so they will be I mean it's nothing new here you talk about uh, company size revenue industry and then Maybe for your contact, you're gonna select um, job title and department. Once you can go into having acquiring the contact, most of the company will also have a go-to-market segment, and then potentially more likely your global team has set up an, an ICP, so which is based on firmographics, and then um, and in B two B tech where I'm working at, we'll have a layer of uh, technographics. Actually, a lot of companies could use those technographics. So, which ERP uh, that companies using, or depending on where you you try to hit them, um, which kind of, of technology you try to sell them. So that that gives you you can go to a third party data vendor and saying, okay, those are my large criteria. Which kind of list of accounts? They will be they will be relevant. Those American database provider will be relevant for very large enterprise and for public listed company, and you will find the the information because it's public, uh, public information. Indeed, when you go into, well, I want to go into Indonesia or... Japan, and you go into another language and even another type of character because you need to have it in Kanchin, so it's just impossible to find. But even simply Australia, you can imagine how difficult it is to find a proper database um, to cover Australia. Non-public listed company, government type of entities, it's very difficult. So you need to have then kind of almost one by one finding your database provider your local database provider that can help you to de- design that list of accounts and enrich the data as well so yeah it's not not easy the other thing i would i would look at and, and this is like then you have fixed your list of account, right? But it's still really broad. The other thing I would and 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 it's still like you you don't have much information based on that. The other thing I will look at is that also look at your convertible audience, the audience that has convert with you. So that comes from your first party data, because that will tell you the characteristic of who is converting, like what are the the touch point that you need to have the journey to conversion, what content do they consume, but you also very dependent on your own data garbage in garbage out the more your CRM is accurate and the more your information yourselves or your customer success have put into into the CRM the better you understand if they just said um, if your contact in your CRM is someone from procurement that doesn't really tell you who they had engaged with and who was the persona to reach out to so that's actually also really helpful once you have that list of addressable audience to go into your Okay, what what should I work on for a lookalike type of audience that will be more likely to convert? And then you go into that list of addressable audience and then um, you kind of search for similarities and you also design that path of, of, of user journey. And then the third thing I would look at is going back to that third party type of data, when you have it, but again, it's very linked to English speaking market, is adding to a mix is the intent data. So you will look at what are those companies doing outside of your own premises in what that is searching for? And you look at the topic that are relevant for your solution that you're selling and try to get that information on which are the, the uh, company that are raising, which are, and it's all based on a right? So it's all based on IP addresses, but, um, the intent data, the intent um, topic will be most of the time in English. So you you won't have Japan, you won't have Korea, you won't have China. That's not going to work. But at least from an English speaking market, you have a certain sense of it's adding an additional layer of prioritization. Uh, it's really super helpful. It's also usually low hanging fruit because the people in that company are currently searching right now. So there is a research happening and the provider that you will need to go for is the provider that probably has the broader network. I'm not going to name here, um, but some provider have are going to give you intent data, but based on their own network. Okay, fair enough. But it's probably too small. You probably need to have a provider or several providers then to compensate for that have a really large network. Then they can say, well, have, we've seen, they won't tell you where people have had those intent signals. So where they have consumed the content, but the broader it is, the, the better it is in in this case.
0: I have a, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about with regards to uh, having their own content, but let's not let's not get into that. No, I, I I love that. I it's it's um you've you've summarized it so well in terms of layer of um, tasks that need to be done, and and again, you know, adding additional information, the data components coming from multiple different parties. Have you seen, I mean, I, I'm sure you, you talk quite a lot with your counterparts in the U.S. Have you seen a difference or do you have a different approach when it comes to programmatic ABM compared to a, your counterpart in the U.S. for APJ?
2: Well, the U.S. will, the US will have a much bigger base, right? So they will, they, for the U.S., a canvas ABM for one too many will be really, really huge. So they probably will need more than I do that layer of intent. But the reason why I would go for the layer of intent, it's because... I have less money and I need to go quickly to um, to the end result. So I need to prioritize based on what's more likely to convert. And also because I've seen it working. But yeah, so where I would have probably in APJ, I would have um, a base of 2,000 accounts, maybe 3,000. They will have a base of in in the 10,000, 20,000. So we really don't talk about the same type of... IMIA mean, will be similar to, um, to APJ, though... I mean, if you look at the entire universe, depending on what you're selling, right? But uh, if you look at the entire universe of Australia, if you have 4,000 accounts, you're probably kind of really talking about the entire universe of enterprise that you can reach out to or companies that you can target in Australia that have a certain size to sell to sell, to sell sell your products or to actually sell our technology. Uh, and it's probably half of that uh, in reality. So yeah, we're talking about thinking think comfortably... 2,000 account, 3,000 account is really like a good base for APJ, uh, but depends on what you're selling. Um, I mean, B2B tech, so that, ha- that has an influence.
0: Got it, got it. One of the other things that you see people talk about quite a lot, and I don't know if we can touch on this, is the... They, they, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of data in terms of median and average number of spends when it comes to one-to-one campaigns, when it comes to one-to-few campaigns. Are there any numbers that that you could share around that for the programmatic in terms of like how, in, in terms of going about doing budgeting for these? What are your thoughts on on that front?
2: You mean how much will I spend in programmatic ABM?
0: Yeah, are there are there any any kind of information that you can you can share on that front?
2: Well, I can certainly talk about percentage, uh, but I will do 100% ABM. I will ABM one too many to
0: everything I do
2: because... Being in a being an APJ, usually your dollars are scarce. It's, it's not that we can like overspend. I mean, we, we have to be really mindful of, of what how much we're spending our dollars. So we usually limit it in terms of numbers of activity we do. But I will use ABM really more as a account, like one to many as a kind of almost as a segment in everything we do. And we use that same list of accounts for digital activities for field event activities for maybe not so much for partners because in partners you partner marketing you want to open a bit more to what they can bring to the table so be probably less restrictive on partner marketing but with you and, and that's the idea of what I was saying earlier you want to surround those accounts right so you want to be everywhere you could be you, you want to target the same accounts and make sure that you become visible so you'll be on social you will be on digital channel you will be be on videos. You will be, and that's for digital, you will then you will go into sponsoring events. You will be into more local event, local association event. Still using that same list of accounts that you define. What you, what I would do is revising that list of accounts uh, probably on a quarterly basis. But I will put this is how I'm telling the team: just like go 100% ABM, and if your vendor doesn't have that coverage of your list of accounts, then open it to. Um, to more based on what they could offer.
0: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so I can, I can totally see how that becomes a little bit hard to put a dollar figure on it because there's all these other activities, not just the your kind of ABM advertising uh, component that is focused on that, but there's all these other aspects um, from field, from, from demand gen, from all these that are also focusing on those accounts. So uh, I, I completely get that.
2: And that's what becomes your ABX.
0: That's yes, right. That's right. Yeah. The the experience component comes out of that. Got it. We've talked about tech. We've talked about intent data. We've talked about, you know, using data providers. Is there anything else around the tech stack for running a successful programmatic ABM program that you would recommend to somebody?
2: Yeah. I mean, it starts with your it's your datas, right? And so it's it's the integration of your data. It's just like getting all the all the data points together in a structured way that you can read it. So it's actually using your existing tech stack, which will be your CRM that needs to be connected to your Martech that needs to be connected to your AtTech. They need to be connected. Some places you would have data warehouses, which is probably be too structured. But think of a customer data platform is you want to have a customer 360 view and it's going to be difficult to have that view on sitting on your different applications so the ideal world you if you can you would like to have that one view of the customer centralized at one place so that will give you the customer 360 view but the key to that is also to organize that data and to clean that data before you put it together, otherwise your 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 data will not be structured in the same way and and um and would not be readable readable in your different application when you kind of um, send it back if you want. So you could kind of think of a a master data management or what if it becomes maybe a bit more technical, but in the lighter version will be a master data hub, which is kind of an index to to structure that organization of your customer data. So they're basically gonna say, well, at that line in mar- in in the marketing automation tool, this is how you identify the customer and this is where you identify the customer in your CRM. This is how you identify your customers in in your ad tech and your and your finance and etc um, uh, tools and application. And you 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 end up by having creating that unique customer ID and kind of the few criteria. And then you're probably gonna have like a few if think think Excel, right? I mean just it's not an Excel but like you will have additional field that will be for things that are specific for CRM and specific for finance. And, but the, the kind of core, I don't know, 50 component will be structured in, in a similar way. And 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 that will that and that will give you a view and with that unique ID of your customers internally, everyone will know who you're talking about. Similarly, when you speak to a you you talking to you go to your third party, your media, and you say I want to have uh, I want to speak to optus. Well, how do you say optus? Well, do you use a DNS number if you have access to the rate or you use the domain name? Right. So you need to have that unique um, ID internally when you integrate. So talking about that third-party Enrichment data into your CRM. Again, you need that integration upfront, so you have a lot of provider, third-party provider that already have developed those APIs that are to common CRM. So you will have it to uh, to Salesforce. Uh, it's a very common CRM. Then we'll have done the same on the media buying side. You have uh, your DSP, your a know, uh, connected to Bombora and LinkedIn for intent data. Your LinkedIn lead form is directly connected to your Marketo, your Eloqua, so you. Um, when you do media buying and you have the opt-in so those connectors are sometimes pre-built or already developed by those martech and tech stack um, tech stack application so yeah um, just a caveat to that is here we're talking about the accounts and we need just to be mindful when you add the layer of the contact because as we all know we need to be uh Uh, careful of about the personal data so maybe send it um like first to your crm and then your marketing automation or your marketing database will filter when it's not there is no opt-in with your with with, for the contact at the contact level
0: of course of course and um and i was gonna i mean i was gonna ask about that right because a lot of platforms are curated for leads versus accounts and I I I don't know what your thoughts are but I think it's also very important to take that into consideration when you're when, when you're bu- building the data hub that you talked about that you are you have a da- an account lens on when you're looking at these so that you'll you you do not all of a sudden disperse the uh the leads from one account but they're all over the shop.
2: Yeah, they're all over the shop. And, and if you think of the marketing automation tools and marketing, right? Um, have been developed probably 15 years ago with that lead source in mind, not that I can model in mind. And companies are changing to, to that lead source model to that account model, but it's, it's, a, it's a big change. It's a profound change, but that's also allowing us to work together with the other department and not just saying, oh, this is my lead, and, and where is my lead? And then they, people are gonna change the lead source if they can, Or, but uh, no, it's an account. We're all working together towards the accounts, going back to coordinated effort, focus. Everyone is around the same account. And you can do it in a programmatic way in in, in the one to many and, and you will do it in a very personalized way in the one to one.
0: Got it. Stephanie, I wanna ask you one question before we go into rapid fire questions. And that is dealing with and talking to a lot of B2B marketers, what are some of the mistakes you've seen marketers make when trying to implement a one to many ABM program?
2: There's a few that I made myself, so I can talk about those, and I'm happy to to share it.
0: Let's do that. Let's do that.
2: The first one... And typical one you will hear is that you do that beautiful list of account, and then you say, "Hey BDR, hey sales, this is the list of account we're gonna focus on. Everyone is gonna put the effort together here and go and try to dig into this account and and find something. I'm doing my job on marketing side, and and you can pick up the same. And then the first question they will ask you is that, yeah, um, great, fantastic. And but where are the contacts? How do I reach out into this account? Well, like, well, that's the concept of moving from. And we were just talking about it right from a lead source a contact to an account you need to go into well this account has and and this is where marketing could probably help to uh, help to provide all those insights but it's going into that account model and thinking well this is the account I need to map and try to find several contacts several persona and try to reach out to them I'm thinking here BDR right where where they, they will not yeah, they, they will need to still do a bit of desktop research. The the second is maybe is still it's related to this is that do not, they want don't expect them to jump on it and say hey thank you so much but. Um, as the marketer, because you're already probably leading that program from marketing perspective, you can you will take that. If we take again that example of industry approach to do it in a bit of programmatic way, you create your ABM program, you create content that's related to that industry, and then you will create the script for the BDR call days, call to action that are related to to that list of account to target. And once those lead will so this is the this is what you can share with the BDR if for for them to do it by themselves. But once those leads will start flowing from your campaign, the conversion rate will be will be better because they will be already educated on those accounts, educated on uh, knowing what, what to do with those accounts and how to approach. Like It's really a question of how do I start, wh- where do I start poking into those accounts? Well, if you tell them, well, based on insight I've seen, it's it's um, in that industry. So we have content around that industry. Here you go. You can use that content. We have those case studies. Here you go. You can use those. Case study, and then when the leads coming from your ABM campaign, they say, Oh, yeah, uh, that account, I know, and then ups they, up they go. Uh, so your conversion will be better. A third one, do not overcomplicate things. Or maybe it's me, but often less is more. Once I ran a campaign and I was like, okay, so I want to map all those personas. I need to have the content and also I need to map to the four buying stages. And then so I ended up by having like for each persona, I need topic and everything together, like 26 topics of interest for 14 persona, which is what's madness to put together. And then even to build to kind of go into, okay, we. Which intent topic should I look at for this particular topic of interest? And how do I? It was just too much. Yeah, so simplify it, regroup. That's the word, programmatic, right? Build at scale, and um, and I I, I cut I those those two kind of six program I think so six persona six type of, of of journey. So simplify it a little bit. Think think what is doable with the resources that you have. Try to reutilize what's already there. And then maybe to the good thing, like um, maybe how to do it well uh, that I learned use the results and show the results um one thing i like for one year i was kind of using that list of accounts and running with the exact same program so as a separate segment as the list of account that the sales gave me and at the end of the year i pulled and report by account engagement by account and what's the results in terms of pipe and opportunity etc and the re- re- results were Obvious, it was uh, tremendously better with that list of account that was put together based on some insights that we had versus the guesswork of, no offense to sales, just the guesswork of like, what should I put? Where are my relationships? So yeah, show the results. You'll be able to show the results. Like Use that account-based list, work on it together, and, and the results will be much better than whatever else you have done.
0: I love it. I love it. Show the results. That's such a good point. And I love that last mistake as well. I've made that mistake and I've seen a lot of people make the make the mistake of of going too far down the rabbit hole of personalization when it comes to uh, when it comes to ABM programs.
1: Are you struggling with your campaigns? Maybe they're not performing as well as you thought they would? Well, luckily for you, the team at Xgrowth have nailed the art of account based marketing. So if you'd like to know more about how you can hop on the ABM train, book a free consultation with the account based marketing experts at Xgrowth to help you get started with your ABM journey today.
0: Stephanie, I have a couple of rapid fire questions as well that I want to ask you. And the first question that I have is what is one resource and it could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a profound impact on you, whether professionally or personally, what what comes to mind?
2: It's one that a colleague of mine uh, recommended. It's a podcast. Guy is American. is called Chris Walker. Um, he works for his company's uh, refine lab. What I lack with him is that it is actually talking about things that are what well, we talked about, like uh, the attribution model. He talks about interestingly. The last one was saying is saying it was about the attribution model in particular when he was saying that with like asking their, are prospects, how, where did you heard about this? And it says the attribution model says um, organic search. And then the person, uh, when you talk to them says, oh, a reference from, from a colleague of mine or the the other option was LinkedIn, LinkedIn postcard. And he keeps saying that over and over and over again, listing probably uh, 50 different companies. So it's uh, kind of powerful. It has good, like, it's just booking on that attribution model and I think it's it's really where we need and and that's also linked to the account-based approach so I think it's great there's another uh, guy from Heinz Marketing uh, Matt Heinz who's also more talking about still along the size of attribution model but the dimension and I thought again some of its uh, podcasts are, are really good
0: I love it yeah they're both they're both really really good thought leaders both Chris Walker and Matt Heinz okay question number two If you could only give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
2: Probably to take an account based approach. (laughs) (laughs) Because and and work with data. Use data. Uh, We have yeah, use data. We have so many data available at our fingertips in marketing. We don't look at it that much. We do look at it, but we don't look at it that much. Data will help you. Will t- help you to tell you half of the story. The rest you need to turn in and interpret it into insights.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Question number three. And and we've kind of touched on this. If there is anybody else, pre- please please mention it. But what are some of the who are some of the influencers that you follow in the in the uh, in the marketing space?
2: so yeah the, the two that i, I mentioned we chris, walker and, chris yeah. walker and yeah. matt hines yeah will we'll be probably those that i follow and then i will i will look more at i will look at my competitors and see what's happening but it's really more for work but um, from a giving getting inspiration starting with those two
0: got it last question stephanie is what's something that excites you about b2b today
2: the Ever evolving technology and the fact that all jobs is getting more and more interesting every day. Once a a former colleague of mine said it has never been a better time to be a marketer thanks to that technology and the data, he said that five years ago. I think it's still valid. It's it's I love the fact that the technology is allowing us to To be more sophisticated, to be more personalized, to do something more interesting and to also we get better insights, but we also do less of kind of the daunting and repetitive tasks. Machine learning and AI have tremendous opportunities. Not always, always be rainbow and unicorn because you, you you still have to. It's technology, right? So you have to test and some often more often than not, it's not going to work the first time. But it's amazing the technology that we have out of Initiatives, It keeps evolving. And I kind of feel, I don't know what it's going to come up, but I kind of feel that we are now at the stage where we need to have the next big phase we had. Uh, we had marketing automation probably 15 years ago and then a, co- a kind of a con based coming like uh, seven eight years ago and um, there is next one that's going to come up is there going to be propensity model prop- predictive I think maybe that could be that one the predictive part and I can't wait to to see that coming
0: Stephanie this has been a very insightful and awesome conversation and I want to say thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. I, I really enjoyed our chat.
2: No, thank you. It was a really lovely chat too.
0: No, pleasure. to absolutely mine. And again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your insights. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to take a lot away from this chat. And yeah, again, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.
1: Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywell and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.